Welcome to episode 137 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast, the, how do you say, boots, mailbag edition. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Chris, and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the nighttime sky, and this podcast is for anyone else who likes uh, going out under the stars. Uh, Yeah, how was your week, Shane? Have you been doing any astronomy? I mean, it's, we have a lot of smoke here. Yeah, can you even see the sky? (laughs) It's, this smoke is, uh, so... For um, for our listeners, we're kind of situated in the middle of Canada. Saskatchewan is the name of the province, and um, there's fire all around us. Yeah, basically, Literally. you know, like the uh, the northern half of our province is all like boreal forest and Canadian Shield, but there's a there's a lot of forest fires up there. Our neighboring provinces both have a lot of forest fires, um, and then the below States. us, yeah, yeah, to the south, Montana has a lot of fires going on, and all of this smoke is kind of blowing through, well, our province. And really there's a, there's a website called firesmoke.ca. Yeah. And um, this is a, a website that shows you all of the um, uh, forest fires that are, you know, active. Um, and then the smoke that, you know, is coming off of them, the coverage, and then, then they forecast out like four days of um, smoke impacts. And I would say like 80% of Canada is like covered in smoke right now because of all these fires. It's, it's quite bad because it's really dry here. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just not been a, a lot of rain. And unfortunately, that's, uh, that's the output of that is a lot of burning. Yeah. So, and so that's uh, meant no observing for you as well, eh? Yeah, unfortunately. I've got, uh, I'm going a little stir crazy. I want yeah. to get out there, but no luck. Yeah. Well, imagine how I feel. Yeah. I was, I was sitting out my new site and, uh, yeah, I was, I was looking at the moon and, uh, actually it wasn't too bad, but, uh, I'd had that second COVID vaccination shot. And I I was telling you, it was, uh, it was a little bit rougher, um, row to hoe, I think than, than the one you went down. Cause I, I did the mix and match, you know, the, you know, the, 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 black socks and the plaid socks kind of thing. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Fashion uh, from Paul. Yes. And also, also, uh, makes for less fun in the vaccine front. So that's, that's where I was at, but I sat there, I looked at the moon for a while and then, uh, went back to bed. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's really been the only thing I've seen in, in the sky is like a really orangey moon because this, the smoke really changes the color of, yeah. of, of the moon. And, and that's, the only thing bright enough to shine through it. And, and even that was, you know, muted quite a bit oh, by the smoke. You, you could almost, it was like a, basically like a, like a lunar eclipse last night. You, yeah. you should have taken a photo. You should do this. You should take a photo of it and post yeah. like lunar eclipse at like 60% illumination. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It does kind astronomy, of look like that. Astronomy yeah. jokes and humor. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's all. That's all the the observing. Oh, I ordered a cover for my telescope. Cover like a like a telegizmo type of cover, or exactly. Oh it's well. Exactly. So for uh, what what does that do, Chris? What what's the purpose of this thing? To, to I'm hoping it will keep the smoke off my telescope. No, it's it's so. What I wanted to do is because um, I do a fair bit of planetary observing, and I want to be able to put the telescope out. And have it uh, have it sort of ready to go, but cool down um, into the evening hours, and then, then be able to go out and observe. And uh, I've been using like uh, Glad garbage bags last year quite a bit, and uh, 
you know, you, you just don't get the protection you want to get. And so these telegizmos that now I've never really seen one. I don't think anyway, but they're almost like a canvas type material. Mm-hmm. And then inside they have um, like an aluminum foil type material, though I hear it's like some sort of proprietary NASA type material. And then that, that helps to, to keep it cooler than it would have otherwise been out in indirect sunlight. Mm-hmm. That said, I found that white telescopes never really get that warm. I, I once was at a at a barbecue and uh, it was an astronomy barbecue and we set our telescopes up and I put mine out in the middle of this, this person's yard and we went and had the barbecue and I was like, after an hour or so, and it was hot, it was like 30 degrees Celsius or something. I was like, oh, I'm going to go check my telescope. And it was like cool to the touch. So so I don't know. It, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure how much a white telescope heats up anyway. But um, here, of course, you always have the chance of like a thunder shower coming through, or, or um, you know, something kind of blowing against it, or dust, you know, or or whatever. Um, so I'm kind of looking for just a little bit of protection, and you know, maybe be being able to put it out like uh, just in the afternoon t- to make sure that it, uh, you know, kind of cools off, or that it's just sort of sitting out there waiting and and ready ready to go um on my site so uh that's that's kind of the kind of the plan with it so so we'll see kind of hoping to get the the five inch uh up and just maybe maybe leave it out quite a bit i mean mm-hmm. haven't been using it as much anymore and uh mm-hmm. thought you know hey gonna gonna get one that will fit both the four and the five inch and uh you know um better better to have the five inch out there and you know if anything ever happens to it well at least i was trying to to observe with it but uh anyway mm-hmm. i think uh seems fairly secure um where I've got it, you know, my, uh, I know my neighbor, I think, I think he's fairly trustworthy. So <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah. anticipate any problems. So. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. uh, the tele telegizmo covers are, are super handy. Like when I used to have my 12 inch light bridge, yeah. when we would do our multi-day trips to grasslands, you know, it's a bit of an effort to set up that big telescope and also take it down. And one of the things I loved about a multi-day trip is I would set it up. Uh, I would put the telegizmo cover on it you know, during the daytime. Oh, you had one. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then observe at night. And then I put the telegizmo cover on it at the end of the night and just leave the telescope set up. Was it the 365 or just the silver one? Oh, I would have to go back and look at it. It's been ages since I, uh, I still have it like, cause I can kind of drape it around like any of my refractors and, you know, just, I have to use some bungee cords to cinch it up a little bit, but, um, yeah, it's still, they're, they're wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Just, uh, something I've wanted to get for a while, just, just because like sometimes, you know, sometimes here we can get like these little squalls that come through and you can get like a lot of wind and just a little bit of rain and it's just enough rain or big drops or maybe just like a sprinkle of hail or something like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it just, you just want something more than like a piece of plastic or a tarp over it. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm really hoping to get out of this. It's just that peace of mind for when I, when I put it out, uh, and, and when I, when I am, you know, sort of running the planetary campaigns and, and you can see the planets and it's not so smoky, um, you know, that, that's really what I'm looking to do is just kind of get just a little bit more mileage and, uh, and maybe, maybe, uh, use my, my other equipment, uh, uh, a little bit more. Yeah. It's kind of my, my hope with all this. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So we have a new uh, Patreon donor. Yeah, we do. So uh, big thanks to Dave uh, for supporting us via Patreon. 
Um, again, you know, the Patreon just helps us cover costs where he, yeah. Chris and I will not retire early as a result of this <laughs> <No>. podcast. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, we, we appreciate all of our Patreon supporters for helping us out uh, with the costs. Uh, they're not substantial, but you know, they add up over the course of the year and, uh, and, uh, this just helps us keep this thing going. Yeah, no, it does. We, we really do appreciate it. This is very much a, a volunteer effort on our part. Um, it, it's a money losing venture. Really, really it is, um, uh, to be, it, it is to be perfectly frank. Totally, I mean, it yeah. sounds funny, but, um, but, uh, what, what we're able to do with the Patreon support is to actually, um, you know, pay for, um, high quality hosting. Um, and that provides like, you know, a reliable way for us to put the podcast out and stability, um, that comes with a, with a paid for platform, um, there's some other softwares and, you know, we, we've had to play with microphones and, and get a few things like that. So, you know, just kind of help keep, uh, you know, keep, keep, keep us, keep us keeping on basically as, as Timber Tamber likes to say. <laughs> Getting all poetic on us. There we go. Great band from my wife's hometown. All right. Uh, I know why I'm on a musical theme tonight. Had some, uh, <laughs> book recommendations from Charles, um, and, uh, and, and then we, we had some more, um, let's see, uh, somebody was, was talking about, uh, uh, Stephen O'Meara's, uh, books, and then, uh, somebody recommended Carol, uh, Stott's book. We'll get, we'll get into this, uh, in a second here. This is from, uh, Mark from the UK. And he just goes by Mark, not Mark from the UK. Um, yeah. And he, he sent us uh, an email here and I, I liked it. I, I have some of the books. What, what I like about these emails about people's bookshelves is there's always a book on somebody's shelf. And they're like, you should read this book. And like this one by Carol Stott. I'd never heard of this one before. I like it. The new, it's called the new astronomer. Had you seen hmm. this book before? No, no. This one is new to me as well. Yeah. Huh. It's, I'm very intrigued by it. Um, should we read the uh, description here or the. the yeah, you go view? for it. Yeah. Okay. I've talked. Um, no, oh, you never talk too much, Chris. It's, <laughs> it's always a pleasure to hear your voice. <laughs> I put my rubber boots on and walk through this sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's the email. Uh, having just listened to your latest podcast, please find attached a photo of my astronomy bookshelf. And in the photo, there's probably at least about, I'd say a dozen books uh, of varying size and colors. Um, but to carry on with the email, uh, my first astronomy book was New Astronomer by Carol Stott. Uh, it's a beginner's book, but I refer to it every now and again, uh, even if it does, or sorry, even if it does show totally unrealistic Hubble images of deep sky objects and leads you to believe that is what you'll see through a telescope. Uh, sadly, uh, my wife cut out some of the images in the book to use, uh, for making collage artworks. Um, whoa, what the heck just happened here? Um, my resolution I'm, I'm went all wild. Oh, that's, oh, uh oh, okay. Okay. That's, me... that's my screen. Okay. I'm back. Okay. Um, so where did I leave off here? Oh yeah. So uh, wife cut it, cut up some of the images to make collage artworks before I got into astronomy. Now that I'm into astronomy, she is not allowed to cut up my astronomy books for art. Uh, next one here uh, is uh, Exploring the Night Sky with Binoculars by Patrick Moore is another favorite as it contains details of many objects that are good targets for a small telescope. Uh, I have also found Turn Left at Orion useful, especially when starting out. 
Uh, now my most referred to books are the excellent Cambridge Double Star Atlas and the latest Sky at Night magazine, Not Pictured. Uh, I have a few Patrick yeah, Moore you and books. Mike like that. Uh, oh yeah, the Cambridge Double Star say. Atlas. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a great like atlas. Quite a bit, and I would own it, but whenever I need it, you guys are there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's a great atlas, just as an atlas. You know, even if you're not into yeah. double stars, it lists a lot of deep sky objects. But, you know, the obvious intent is double stars. And, you know, if, if anybody has any interest in double stars, uh, I can't recommend this atlas enough because it, it lists a lot and provides a lot of detail about these double stars. So it's an awesome resource for that. Uh, just to finish up with this email here. Um, so I have a, a few Patrick Moore books picked up uh, cheap on eBay as most of my books. Uh, most are good, cheap read. Uh, the one I'd recommend is Brilliant Stars by Moore. Uh, it's uh, wouldn't, appallingly... You wouldn't, wouldn't recommend Oh, that. yeah, sorry. Thank you. Would not recommend that. Uh, it's appallingly error-strewn. Um, anyway, the finishes up just saying, keep up the good work with the podcast, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, can I make one request? Please look up how to pronounce how we've always pronounced uh, boots or booties. Um, my, oh. my, my toes curl every time you say boots, which we do a lot. Our apologies. Um, and uh, we've looked it up, Chris. Uh, how is the, or what, what is the right pronunciation for the constellation spelled B-O-O-T-E-S? So let's, let's see what happens here. So I, I, I was inadvertently, I messed Shane up because I, I shared my screen because I wanted to, um, um, play, play the audio for this. Um, so I'm going to try playing this. We'll see what happens. Okay. Here we go. Here it comes. Boatees. They're going to do it again. Boatees. Boatees? I, I don't know. Boatees? Oh. 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 So. So this this is like some sort of online pronunciation um, thing, and Shane, I'm going to try to say it. So when I say it, I like people don't may not realize this as much, but I actually have a, a pretty thick accent <laughs> at times, and I have to think really really long and hard about some of the things that I say, and uh, so I have what's called like a maritime accent. We kind of people joke and they say. Like if I go out and have a few beers or something, they say, you kind of talk like a pirate <laughs> and it's, it's really true. I know it's true. And we, you know, what's the point of saying an A without an R with it. Right. Uh, like that's like, you know, R. you know, we do say that quite a bit where I'm from. And then um, some of these words I struggle to say. So, so the way that the way that the pronunciation machine says it to me, it sounds like bow outies. Yeah, like I, yeah. I would say it like a, like a dog saying bow wow. Um, the way that, the way that it, it's sort of um, properly uh, said um, that that's a word that I would struggle with. So, so if I say, so, so they say bow out, but I, I can't even do it. it. To me, it's like bow out tees, um, bow out, like bow wow, like a dog <laughs> tees. Right. So I just, I can't even say that. I cannot say that. <laughs> well, so my, I, my apologies to Mark, but I, I can't say it. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so after we got that email from Mark, I, I looked up a pronunciation guide and, and I just sent it to you in the chat. And so this one says it's pronounced. So boo, 
B-O-O-T-S, Buotes. Um, so I'm going to try to remember that and 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 not pronounce it incorrectly. So I, well, no, I think that's yeah, that's Bauti. Like that's the same thing that that she's saying. I think Bau. That's that's supposed to be Bau Bau T's. Like I'm not doing it right. I I know I'm not doing, but I think <laughs> I think the way that 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 bot says it is the way that it's supposed to be said. And uh, I can't, I can't even get, I can't even get that close. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, like I have trouble saying Mars, like when I say, and I, to me, it sounds like I'm saying Mars. And I know like, if you actually, if you listen to the way that I say Mars and then Shane, like if you say Mars, Mar- Mars, if you, Mars. if you listen to the way we say it, Shane will actually probably sound proper. And I, I will sound like I'm saying something different. Um, maybe I'm doing it right now. I, I don't know. Cause I've really practiced at saying it. Because when I was teaching classes and <laughs> I was teaching a class and I did a whole class on Mars and people were just like staring at me and I was like, what is going on? And then after the class, somebody was like, what? Like, we've never heard anybody say Mars like that before. And so I really practiced at it. So maybe I'm better. But when, when I listen to the way that other people pronounce like A's and R's and like the O's and the A-U-O's, like to me, it sounds like I'm saying it the way that they are, but then actually, if I hear it play back, it's, it does sound very different. And then, um, I've worked at it, but I do struggle. I do struggle with some of that stuff. So, so <laughs> sometimes I try to navigate around, around the words. So, and I, for, I forget what it's called. I sent it in the email back to Mark, but, um, I also have like, just like a slightly different, um, dialect of speaking. And, and so <laughs> I won't try to do it on the episode, but I can actually talk uh, out of both sides of my mouth. No, I can, I can <laughs> talk on what's called the inhalation. There's only a few like um, small little pockets of, of cultures that do this. So it's like this long finangled word. Um, but when, uh, when I met my wife and we, we would go home, cause I, I typically don't do it that much if I'm just like talking with you and Mike or, or talking with my spouse but when I go home and talk with my parents, we talk like this and my wife is sitting there and she's like, how can you get like, she's never heard anything like this. Right. Cause we'll talk on the inhalation. She's like, I can't get a word in edgewise. Like you literally don't stop to take a breath. <laughs> you know, how do you guys, I'm like, no, no, like we're breathing, you know, and we're, and we're talking. There's like, there's like a pattern of words that you use so that you can, you can do this, but I don't even think about it. Um, it's just a way, it's just, um, like a very regionalized way of, of speaking. But, uh, I think, I think I included you on that. Hopefully Mark didn't mind. Cause it's something I was a little bit fascinated with because I didn't know that I had this. So I had this accent and then I had like this very localized regional dialect as well. So, um, yeah. but I, I suppress it, especially when we're doing the podcast so that people can, uh, people can understand what I'm saying. Um, but I did include a video that I sent, I sent Mark. And so there's this, this guy and he really has like the maritime accent, like pretty, <laughs> pretty strong. But, um, for half of the stuff that he says, like, I think, I don't know if, did you listen to that? No, no, I haven't yet. So, so for half of the stuff that he says, I'm like, yeah, this person has a pretty strong accent, but for like half of it, I'm like, that sounds normal to me. Like, it just like, that mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, and then you can see the comments on the different things that he's saying. And I'm like, yeah, to me. To me, some of that just sounds totally normal. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've had I've had to work I've had to work at it, but uh, mm-hmm. but for sure, people will pick that up uh, from time to time. But I do I do definitely struggle with uh, uh, some pronunciations. So, one of the words 
that I love to say is, is off Yukas because the way that I originally said that was like a, like some pretty good swears. And, uh, <laughs> and when I first started going to astronomy uh, meetings and that, I would, I would say it, people were like, you, you can't, you can't say that. Like, you just can't say it like that. And I'm like, but that's to me, that's how it should be said. And they were like, no, don't, don't say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, I, I think we both appreciate Mark's email and, and certainly we, we, you know, really appreciate any kind of corrections. Um, and, and I think just this conversation about Buotis and even Ophiuchus, it, one, one thing about astronomy that I think probably most of our listeners have, have come across is, is you look at some of these objects or constellations or whatever, and you say to yourself, how do I pronounce this? Yeah. Um, and we all struggle with it, I think, because some of these are from languages that are rarely used or no longer used. And, and yeah. uh, sometimes it's hard to figure out the pronunciation. But um, yeah. anyway, if we say something wrong uh, or pronounce something yeah. incorrectly, let us know. Yeah, let, let us know. Shane, Shane does not really have much of an accent, at least I don't think he does, but I, I, I do. I definitely know that I, I do a very strong maritime accent and, uh, and I, I do work away at it. And, uh, but yeah, I will definitely take the easy road when we're doing some of this stuff. So, and, and a good example is um, what some people might call like a bow line, like B-O-W-L-I-N-E. Like, and so I was watching a show on sailing uh, last week and I saw this and there's like subtitles, I think, cause it's outdoors and whatever. And they said this and I said to mom, say, I wouldn't call it that. And she said, well, how would you say that? I said, we would say uh, balling, you know, like we're gone balling for the weekend by, you know, like that's how we would <laughs> say that word. Right. So there, like I've kind of given people like a little, just a little piece of how I would say something. So if I did the whole, you know, I, I, I think, you know, hopefully people can just kind of put up with my little idiosyncrasies, but, uh, because if I did the whole podcast like that, I think that people would find it funny. It might get the wrong audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I think, I think everything's all right for the most yes. part. So let's, uh, let's move on to the next one here. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want me to read this one too, or do you want to take this one? Yeah, I can, I can read it. Although now I want to do everything in my maritime accent. <laughs> Because I'm fascinated by it. Okay, this one's from Christian. So uh, he says, uh, question, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Greetings, uh, greetings, Shane. I guess this one was to you, but uh, I think I replied as well. Uh, and, and I think you guys had been in conversations. He said, thanks for the reply. Thrilled for, for your chance to get away because you, you went away fishing. Uh, I'm trying to imagine uh, what being off the grid must feel like. Um, come spend a weekend with us sometime. You'll, you'll get that feeling. Um, or at least what it'd be like to uh, get off the grid in Saskatchewan. Uh, he says, now this is how he writes it. Y'all have me interested in your uh, nearby grasslands. They sound like heaven. And it is. He says he lives in lush Atlantic coastal, 36 degrees latitude, salad bowl green, grateful for the leaves, but only more recently aware of our lack of anything resembling a horizon working on that with regards to finding good viewing sites, always there with somebody on that expedition. Uh, just send an envelope of curiosities that you will probably make total sense of when you see them. Enjoy. I look forward to seeing what those are. Hopefully you can share those with me. Yeah. 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 And just for, uh, some background, did, you, did they come? Not yet. No. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, Christian had, uh, just reached out saying he had, uh, an art project that I think was inspired by some of the stuff that we've talked about on the podcast and, uh, wanted to send some stuff our way. So yeah, really excited to see that. 
Yeah. And then he said, uh, for you, Chris, I discovered this article by the RASC, Royal Astronomical Society of Canada, while researching amber LED lights. And then he actually sent me the link. Um, I think I think the one is to uh, Rob Dick's article on uh, on the amber lights from the 2013 uh, J. Rask Volume 107, um, which is an excellent article. Yeah, thanks for thanks for sending that along. I had had seen it in the past, and um, I, I had said I, I don't know if I still sit on that committee or not. Anyway, Rob Dick was the chair of the Light Pollution Abatement Committee here in Canada, and I sat on that committee with him for a number of years. Uh, and then he also Christian also talks about his new um, my new uh, 60 millimeter little scope by Antares, uh, an F 3.7, 60 millimeter, 220 millimeter focal length. Um, finally got it online. Uh, first light was uh, early the other morning. He was viewing Jupiter and Saturn. It was so easy to use. A few struggles, one of which you and Chris may have some thoughts on concerning color aberration, tons of it, especially when viewing uh, Jupiter's disc. There's a lot. Uh, could try like a minus violet filter or you know, I, I don't worry about the color as much. I just kind of go, go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he's been listening uh, to our pursuit uh, to, the, to perfect our mini Borg 50s, um, and that's been super helpful to him. He says, I'm now investigating affordable eyepieces that work well with the system, especially the aberration issues. I need to sift through your podcast, but I think you discussed these issues uh, very well. And he says, I feel like I'm actually understanding optical mechanics almost entirely because you're a podcast. So thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you for running. And he says that he, he says, I second Chris's enthusiasm for um, Bill Paley's book on choosing eyepieces. He was gifted a copy and finding it a good read. And then solar observing in art, I'm imaging something, imagining something like a sketch painting uh, day for a year, I'm considering H alpha scope like yours, Shane. I don't mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's cloudy, I sketch paint clouds. Goal: Enjoy your day. Enjoy our day star. Practice and develop sketch painting skills. Sell the sketches. Paintings equals help pay for the telescope. Inspire my students. Be inspired by them too, and then have a ton of fun. Stay tuned. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Uh, then he closes with uh, "Keep it up." Thanks again to you and Chris for your time, energy, and in sending us your podcast and yeah we really appreciate you listening christian and uh yeah it's it's really fun to uh, to read people's observations um and their thoughts i had i, I i've seen that 60 millimeter antares um because uh, glenn spears who runs antares optical he comes to our star party mm-hmm. most years and uh you know so kind of get get the opportunity to kind of get my hand and he is like a like it looks like a I don't know. It's like a glass case and you can open up and pull all kinds of stuff out. And he's super friendly guy. And, uh, we'll let you borrow pretty much just about anything for the evening, um, to give it a shot, see if it's what you want to get. So I, I had, didn't try that out, but I've tried lots of his other little optical wonders out. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's cool, um, to, to blend in like the art aspect with astronomy. Um, I think they, they go really well together. Um, you know, if you have that talent and, uh, Sounds like Christian definitely does. So that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, he must be an art teacher or something. So you said about having. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Like that. Must be. Very cool. Um, I think we, I think we have time for one more. Uh, mm. We received that email from Josh yesterday, which I think is. Yes. Like yeah. Read that. Yeah. That'd be great. Okay. So hi, Chris and Shane. I uh, wanted to reach out to you and share a little bit about one of my most recent astronomy related projects. 
to provide a little bit of background on myself, I'm a university student, so my astronomy hardware collection hasn't exactly taken off. And, you know, uh, it took me many, there's a sidebar here. It took me many years to, uh, acquire gear and, you know, things of, uh, that I use today. Um, so we all start from probably the same, uh, same spot. Yeah. Um, with that said though, uh, I own a classic budget Celestron 130 millimeter reflector that came equipped with an equatorial mount. I bought a few additional eyepieces and filters since, but no major hardware upgrades. Uh, I recently started working through the Messier catalog and on nights when I search for these objects, I find great joy in the manual EQ mount. Uh, learning how to navigate the night sky using it has been a great learning tool for me. However, on nights when I bring out the telescope for friends and family, I would love to have more of a go-to style mount to maximize the time enjoying the night sky with everyone and minimize the time needed to mess around finding and tracking objects. Um, yeah. I have a secondary hobby and a schooling background in mechanical design and controls. Uh, so for the past few months, I've been attempting to design my own go-to and tracking mount from scratch. Uh, it'll be an Alt-As style capable of mounting any dovetail scope uh, mount for tube sizes up to a 10-inch reflector. That's huge. Uh, though it would be much less time and effort to purchase a go-to mount, uh, I figured I would design my own for the fun of it and to save some disposable income. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty far into the preliminary design phase and we'll begin to prototype components in the near future. I figure though, I would reach out to, uh, to you both with some design consideration questions before getting to that phase. So aside from the obvious desired features, you'd want in a go-to mount, uh, accuracy and precision for finding and tracking objects, stability, uh, mounting height and portability, uh, what qualities do you think are desirable and necessary for a go-to mount or any type of telescope mount for that matter? Uh, thanks so much again for sharing all that you do with the podcast. I really enjoy getting to listen to it every week. Did, did, you, did you write the, yeah, sorry. No, no, that's it. I was just going to say, did you, re, did you reply? I was just curious what you, what you might've sent. Uh, I haven't yet. I saw okay. that you did reply yeah, did. Yeah. and, um, uh, so you said, uh, you know, uh, what a great, track. yeah, what a great project. Yeah. This is really cool. Uh, you, you know, keep us up to date on progress to answer your question. Yes. I might back up one step and recommend making a tracking mount first, uh, then complementing with the go-to functionality. Um, you also own one of those awesome 130 millimeter reflectors, which have lighter mounting requirements. So one thought I had was make a smaller prototype that just tracks, then start working on the go-to. Then when he gets that one working, you can send us the little one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, this is fascinating to me um, because number one, a lot of the like kind of higher end mounts that are out there, like um, uh, desert sky uh, disc mount. And there's been others in the past, like universal astronomics um, half yeah. hitch, I think is another one. It, it's, yeah. these are just astronomers that, you know, wanted to make their own mount and it turned yep. into like very lucrative businesses for a lot of these folks. So, you know, Josh, you might be onto something here too, if you really want to turn this into, um, you know, yep. a bit of a, a moneymaker, but anyway, aside from that, um, great recommendations, I think from you, Chris on that, um, totally, totally agree that, you know, chunking it up and, and maybe yes. phasing it is a good approach. Yes. Um, I like that, but I'll, I'll provide maybe just some direct answers to the question as well. Yeah. Um, having used some go-to mounts in the past, like I owned a, a Celestron AVX for quite a few years and used it in the backyard. Um, a couple of the things that I would suggest or, or, you know, 
put on a notepad for consideration would be um, the ability to slew. Like no, no go-to mount is typically perfect in terms of finding the object. It, it may put it in the field of view, but it may not always center it for you. So you typically want some slewing buttons so that you can center yeah. it. Um, and you may want to have variable speed for that slewing because, um, you know, if it's a, a high magnification, you'll want a very slow speed because, it, you know, the object will move quickly. Um, but if you're, if you're just panning, like say 10 degrees over, you want a faster slew speed so you can just get to the, you know, where you want to look. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of important. Um, the ability to disengage the clutch and just go manual movement if you want is, yes. is quite yes. a nice feature to have on a, on a, any kind of tracking motorized mount. Yeah. Um, polar alignment, you know, you, you kind of have to figure that out. So a lot of the mass made telescopes will have, uh, oh, he said this is alt as, so actually it's that doesn't be alt apply. as. So, yeah. so I'm kind of, I'm wondering if he's going to try like the same thing where, and, and, you know, and I'm very curious about this project. So, so. Even if you don't end up saving money, Josh, I think you should pursue this. I think this is a cool, a very cool idea um, because the the mount that I love so much, the AZ GTI by Skywatcher, I think is a great mount. Um, however, the capacity isn't as good as what most people are looking for. You know, like I think many of us would love to have that mount weigh about two or three times as much and have about twice the carrying capacity. Um, because it really kind of maxes out kind of at, at that 130 millimeter reflective size. Um, so, yeah. And, and it, like, honestly, I can't understate, like Shane said, clutches, being able to have it track accurately, to be able to point and track. So you should be able to disengage the clutches or be able to ride the clutch and then point it at something and just have it follow along the sky. Um, because so much of the time, you just like want to show people the moon or a planet and, and we can all find those pretty easily. So you just point it at those things or, or you just want to star hop and then just let go of the telescope and have a track along. I think the AZ GTI is, is really great at that. Um, but I think that, I think, I think that design could be refined um, a little bit more by increasing the payload capacity and then, um, and then decreasing the reliance on, on the smartphone um, technology because my it seems to have gotten buggered up. My smartphone app is no longer working with the mount. So um, anyway, I think I think they're very close. But I think if you look at something like an AZ GTI, if you have the ability um, to go and see how that mount works, or to look online and just just see how that mount works, I think you'd glean some some good ideas. You know, it's your own little project. You know, and you're just um, you know looking looking to make a mount. And again, like that mount has a lot of other capabilities like astroimaging and and go-to capabilities. I, I say the point and track on that mount is, is really cool. Um, and that, that is a concept I haven't seen executed as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think that's a, a interesting path to go down. Like I would, ideally I would like to have a mount that was better capacity, a little bit more stable and that I could just point and track. I, I don't need the go-to. I just don't need it. I don't really want it. But if I could just have a mount permanently set up that I could throw a telescope on, turn it on, slew around the sky, and when I let go, it just tracks. Uh, that that would be ideal for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd pay, I'd pay good money for that. I would pay good money for that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one other consideration I'll throw in there too, and I'm sure Josh has already thought about this, but um, just think about the environment in which you're observing. Um, like, so for example, you know, Chris and I could be observing in temperatures uh, sometimes at night that's plus 30 degrees centigrade. Uh, but 
we can be on the other end of that spectrum and maybe be observing when it's minus 30 degrees centigrade. Yeah. Um, now, so just think about the temperatures that you might be in and use the appropriate greases or whatever. So that, yeah. um, you know, like if you don't use a cold weather grease, it can turn into, you know, like molasses or cement almost and, and the mount becomes useless. Um, and then the other aspect, probably no matter where you live is dew. And obviously with electronics, uh, the dew can be a real problem. So you want to mm-hmm. make sure that it's uh, ready for for all of those types of situations. Yeah, I, I'm fascinated by this. I I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know that I've heard of I've heard of people building, and I, I know some guys that have built tracking platforms for Dobbs, um, and they had a lot of fun doing that. But I, I don't know of anybody who who's built like um, like an actual go to telescope. And I think that is. Um, that's very cool. I thought of some problems. I was going to think, huh, this will be a problem. And that'll be I'm like, I'm not going to send somebody the problems. He's, he's going to find all kinds of problems. This is a person who wants to solve problems. So he, he's going to overcome those. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't even listen too much to my advice on this. I, I think you just go in the direction you want to go in and, and mm-hmm. keep, keep me up to date. I'm fascinated by this. I think this is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Can't, uh, can't agree with you more. Um, and uh, maybe the last thing I'll say that it's not related to Josh's adventure here, but it made me think of another adventure with a mount. Um, our, one of our most frequent listeners, uh, Phil uh, from the UK, I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast that Phil uh, ended up purchasing an EQ1 mount uh, for, oh, I always forget the aperture of this Skyhawk. If it's a hundred, I think it's 130 millimeter. I think uh, it's 114. I think he corrected Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It's 114. We, we've yeah. made this mistake before. <laughs> I've made the mistake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, he um, he fully admitted that the EQ1 out of the box was kind of wobbly and, and really not up to snuff. Uh, but Phil made it his mission to do some modifications to this mount to make it far more usable. Yeah. And uh, he's done a lot of work on it. And I he, recent emails have said he's he's basically done it. And yeah. um, uh, I think we'll try to line him up for a future episode. Yeah, that'd be good to uh, tell tell us about it. Tell us about the work he did and, you know, what it was and in terms of performance and then what it is in terms of uh, the performance now. Yeah. He sent, uh, he sent a nice email. Um, He actually sent it to me and he sent it to you. Then you forwarded to me anyway, Um, (laughs) which is, that's fine. That's fine. And uh, you know, it sounded like he had a a nice observing session, um, you know, with, with the mount and uh, and the the 65 millimeter, uh, uh, telescope, I think that that used to be yours. Six sixty millimeter, yeah. Sixty. Yeah. Sorry, I thought it was yeah. sixty-five. An old old Tasco. Uh, well, the Franken scope that I talked about yeah. uh, on air uh, in the past. Um, yeah, sixty millimeter f fifteen um, Royal Astro Optic. Uh, so yeah, really solid performer. Yeah, you know, I I thought that was a, a really great session. We don't we don't have time to 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 read all that, Phil. But you know, kind of like Shane was saying, you know, maybe we can get you on uh, in a future episode. Uh, here and uh you know and, and talk about that i think that that'd be good you know i always enjoy getting uh getting the voicemails from you and and getting uh getting the emails as well you know i i do really enjoy yeah that this was like a really unexpected thing in doing this podcast i kind of thought we would do it we'd be putting the, these episodes out we'd be you know coming up with ideas hopefully for as long as we could um and then I kind of thought it might seem like we're just kind of putting them out into space. Often things in life feel that way. When I teach my class, sometimes it feels like I'm just talking to the word cloud. 
Um, but, uh, but no, this it hasn't been like that at all with, with the podcast, you know, people have been listening and then, and then they kind of want to get on and say some things like, like Dave just did in the past episode and, and Phil and others ha- have done in the past and people send us, um, beautiful emails and photos of their book collections and gear and all this stuff. It's, and, and the projects they're working on that I would never touch with a 10 foot pole, but love to follow, you know, it's, it's really, really amazing. It's very, very cool to hear from all these people from, from all over the world, you know, and what they're doing with their astronomy. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it too. And, and, you know, I hope, I hope the listeners enjoy these episodes because I, you know, one of the reasons why we like to read uh, the listener emails that we get is because we have so much fun with them. And to me, if we're having some fun with it, then let's talk about it on an episode because I think other people will have some fun with it too. Yeah. Yeah. Like Shane sends me the email. It's like, do you see what this person's doing? I'm like, that's crazy. I can't believe it. I can't wait to see what, what happens or, Mm -hmm. or like, you know, you know, and like I, I have a, a, the quote unquote student, like a person sitting in my class, sending me these beautiful photos of the, of the uh, Crescent Nebula this week too. Right. That looked like they should be on the cover of a magazine you know it's really amazing it's really amazing what people are doing these days and uh yeah we love to love to hear from people whether they're doing um you know uh, sketching or photographs or building gear or just doing some observing or doing a little bit of science like dave yeah it's super cool so you know if people want like reach out and uh let us know what you're doing uh you know and if you just want to sort of keep listening that's great too and uh you know we'll we'll keep coming up with uh different ideas you know, maybe I'll start talking about all the cactus on the side of my hill that I have. <laughs> Sounds enthralling. <laughs> cool. Good stuff. Well, Shane, do you have anything left to add? No, that's it, Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. <laughs>